phrase last night at the end of the service. Anybody remember what it was? He's on it. <laughs> Which means I can relax. Right? I can relax. I can rest. Why? He's on it. God's on it. You know, he never, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's open 24-7. In Matthew 6, did you turn there? Matthew 6 and uh, 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, the whole body, your whole body will be full of light. This has to do with what you look at, where you look, your focus. But if your eye be evil, or that's the word for bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So, depends on what we look at as to whether there's light in us or darkness. You can look at the wrong thing. You can look at the problem. You can look at the lack. And you can talk about it and listen to it and meditate on it. And to be carnally minded is death. The more you talk about how bad it is and how hard it is and how impossible it is and how it can't be fixed and how we're all going down, the darker it will get. In your mind, in your heart, it'll just get darker. And that's how people get suicidal. It gets so dark to them, they see no way out. They don't want to live anymore. But they're believing lies. I said they're believing lies. God can fix it. Just give him some time. Give him an opportunity. And actually trust him. And watch what he can do. And if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that is money and things, material things personified. And that is also a cause of a lot of worry. Amen. Right? How many people are worrying about high prices, inflation, the price of gas, am I going to have a job, what are they doing, huh, is that okay to do that, that's the same thing unbelievers are doing, should we be acting differently from unbelievers, thinking differently, yes, he said, uh, therefore, verse 25, are you there, therefore I say to you, Jesus said, take no thought. Now that's that same word that we've been seeing, cares. Be careful for nothing, casting all your cares. The word thought here is that same word. So it's not just that you thought about it. It's that you're worrying about it. Worrying about it. Uh, some people have said, well, you know, can I not even think about it? I mean, it's something that needs to happen. I need to think about it. I need to plan about it. Yeah, you do. But there's a line you cross. 
where you go beyond thinking about it to worrying. And when you cross that line, you need to repent and get back across the line. If you really want, if you're really going to expect God to do something for you. How can you tell when you've crossed that line? Anybody want to know? Hold your place in Matthew 6. I wasn't planning on doing this, but this is worth our time. Hold your place in Matthew 6. We're not done there. And go to 1 John, the fourth chapter. I'll just read it to you either way. How can I tell when I'm not just thinking about it? I'm actually taking anxious care. I've gone beyond caring about it to taking the care of it. In 1 John 4.18, you'll see this. This is a good uh, identifier, a good mark. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out Did you notice that's some of the same language? He said, casting all your cares. Well, perfect love casts out, throws out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. You can tell you've gone beyond just thinking about it when it's vexing you. When it's tormenting you. That was worth you coming to church tonight, right? Right there. You can tell you're no longer just thinking about it. You are taking the anxious care of it. And you've gone gone now to a place the Lord has commanded you not to go. And you're not watching your heart and guarding your heart. You're You're letting the care of this come on you and sit on you and begin to overload your heart. Now, all of us have made mistakes in this area. All of us have done some of this. Sometimes ignorantly, sometimes even knew better. But let's make a change. I said, let's make a change. And let's determine we're going to actually do what the Lord told us to do. And we're going to be careful for nothing. And we're going to cast all of our anxieties and worries over on him. And we're going to watch that line where you've gone beyond thinking about it, caring about it, to taking the care of it. And actually, this word, fear has torment, that word torment is the same word used to describe hell over in Matthew 25, 46. When it talks about everlasting punishment, which lets you know anxiety, tormenting anxiety and fear and worry is a taste of hell. It's a taste of hell. And anybody that has, you know, yielded to fear and had panic attacks and just, you know, got to where they couldn't eat and sleep and all this stuff, worried themselves sick, literally, yes. would agree. Yes. You experienced some hell on earth. Yes. 
But here's the thing. You didn't have to. The only reason that can happen to a child of God is being disobedient to his instructions to us. Like I said, we've all made mistakes, but let's learn. Let's grow. Let's stop this. We're not supposed to experience days of hell on earth. The Bible talks about us being able to experience days of heaven on earth. Experience some heaven, a little bit of heaven, to go to heaven in. Hallelujah. Oh, it's it's reality. And, And this would be reason enough to never want to go to hell. The, hell is not just fire and brimstone. One of the big things that makes hell hell is there is no good there. God is not there. Just being with all the people that go there is hell. And there is no peace there. And there is no joy. And there is no life. And there is no light. And the anxiety and the pressure, it's, it's hell. That's the environment of hell. The fear, unbridled, unrestricted panic and fear. Oh, we need to tell people they don't want to go there. Is that right? And people making fun, you know, of, of hell and mocking, you know, are just absolutely being ignorant and stupid. If they could experience hell for 30 seconds and be brought back, when they stopped screaming, they would never joke about it again. There's nothing, nothing funny about it. It is, it is truly terrible, truly awful. And as a child of God, no way should I experience the environment of hell in my walk down here. Experiencing the torment and vexation of depression and anxiety and fear. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Oh, somebody say it. Somebody say God did not give me a spirit of fear. He gave me the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I have the peace of God, which passes understanding. I don't live in hell on earth. I actually experience days of heaven. I experience some of the atmosphere of heaven in this life. Hallelujah. The presence of God is what makes heaven heaven. His light, His life, being with Him, living with God, hanging out with God, That's heaven. Experiencing his goodness. That's that's heaven. Woo! I'd have preached this to myself. (laughs) How can you tell when you've gone too far and you're no longer just thinking about it? Torment. Vexation. And torment. What is it doing to you? How is it affecting you? That lets you know, I need to stop this right now. I gotta repent. And I gotta get my mind off of this. And I gotta get my mind on the right thing. Gotta quit talking about this. Quit looking at this. 
Can you see this? And this is entirely in our control. Don't let anybody tell you. Don't let the devil tell you. You can't help it. That's a lie. Go ahead and, and, and do this. Put your hands on the side of your head. Say it out loud. My mind is my mind. Nobody, nothing can make me think about what I don't want to. God keeps me in perfect peace while my mind is stayed on him. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is a... This is not something God does for us. This is our responsibility to control what we look at, what we think about, what we listen to, what we talk about. And and you got to take some responsibility there. And and to do so is life changing. Go back to Matthew 6. We're not we're not done with that. Matthew 6. Here we're continuing to talk about one of the big root causes of worry, which is, according to First uh, Peter there, a lack of humility. How can that be? We see answers here in this passage. Matthew 6, 25, the Master said, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, take no thought. Now, he's not just talking about thinking about it. The word for thought here is, is anxious, anxiousness, or worry. So it'd be very accurate to say, don't be anxious for your life about what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink, or for your body, what you're going to put on. Has any any church-going people ever worried about (laughs) groceries? Huh? Clothing. Clothes for the kids, hmm? housing, utilities. Can you see what he's talking about? The, the master commanded us not to worry about that. When are we going to take this seriously? Huh? He said, isn't the life more than meat? That's the word for food. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than, than clothes? Behold, and he, then he gives us some visuals. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't gather. They don't sweat. They don't punch a clock. And yet, they eat. They eat. Billions of birds are eating today all over the planet. And they will never one time in their life worry about where their next meal comes from. And there was no need for them to worry about it. What's he say? Well, he talks about this in other places. You're of more value than a bird. Hmm? And so if he cares about birds and feeds birds, you're going to eat. Somebody say it out loud. The birds are going to eat. And I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. So is there any reason for me to worry about this? 
They said, well, yeah, you know, with this inflation. I mean, if a bread, a, a loaf of bread gets $10 uh, a loaf, you know, I will eat. If it gets $50 a loaf, I will eat. The birds are going to eat, and I'm going to eat. As long as God's around, Keith's going to eat. Keith's my name. You didn't know. As long as God's around, how about you? I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. I'm going to have clothes to wear. Huh? I'm a place to stay. I want you to say it out loud. My God will keep me all my life long. All the days of my life. I will have everything I need. I will eat. I'll have good clothes to wear. Good place to stay. God will take care of me all my life. If you really believe that, what effect, what effect does it have on you? <sighs> right? <sighs> Rest. Rest. We which have believe do enter into... <sighs> and you know, we're your pastors and the leadership are responsible for the oversight of this church and this ministry. And Phyllis and I and our staff are responsible for our uh, ministries and our churches and it gets bigger and the numbers get bigger and the bills get bigger and huh? But I lose no sleep. No sleep. I've, I've had uh, people ask me sometimes, well, man, you know, how much does it take? Don't even ask me that question. Yeah. <laughs> I do read reports, but I don't dwell on it. I cast the care of it over on the Lord. Is that right? Man, what if you miss? What if you miss a month? And what if people stop giving? And and what if this? And and what if that? Yeah. And what if God quits being faithful? Amen. Not gonna happen. I said, not gonna happen. All I got to do is make sure I listen to Him. Amen. That's what I got to make sure. I got to make sure I listen to Him. Do what He tells me to do. Not do dumb stuff He didn't tell me to do. Come on, y'all listening. That that's that's my job. And the rest of it's not my job. Hmm? And you want to get rid of this title of you being the provider for your family. Well, I, you mean, I am, I'm, I'm the main provider. Well, then your family is severely limited. Well, I make good money. Not that good you don't. Nobody makes that good. Because the provision is much more than money. You need a lot more than money in this life. No, you are not the provider. Now, you are to do what you need to do. And it's God's will for us to work. But don't say you are the provider. Because, see, then you're taking, you're taking the responsibility. And at some point, that's going to bite you. Right? Because you're going to feel like you can't provide, you can't do what needs to happen. Are you certain things, like we said, beyond money, you can't provide this kind of help or you can't fix that. You are not the Savior. You are not the healer. You are not the provider. 
Now, I know people know the correct response to that, and yet people are taking on responsibilities that are beyond them. And that's where the lack of humility comes in. Can you see this? That's where you get into this other root cause of worry and anxiety. Keep reading and you'll see it even clearer. He said, verse 27, which of you, by taking thought or by being anxious, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, we, we need, just because you've heard this before, don't act like you know it. How many believe the Lord is speaking direct from heaven here? Yes. Is that right? Yes. These are things that will fix your life if you listen to them and get them. The master is asking questions. And when he asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants you to ask that question. He wants you to answer that question. He said, which one of you, by being anxious and worrying, can add, we might even say, an inch to your stature? What's the answer? What's the answer? Come on, church. Are are y'all awake? What's the answer? Can you do it? Can you worry yourself taller? No. <laughs> How about this one? Can you worry yourself thinner? No. <laughs> Boy, if that worked, there'd be a lot of thin people around. <laughs> there would be. <laughs> We'd all be models, I mean. <laughs> And then, notice the very, next, the very next phrase. And why take thought? Why be anxious for your clothes? Say it out loud. Why worry about it? Why? Why am I worrying about it? You, you got to go. We, we need to answer this question. Why? First of all, he said, which one of you? can change even the smallest thing about yourself by being anxious over it? And the answer is, is no. No, no, nobody. What does that mean? That's beyond you. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond your responsibility. Oh, come on. We're, we're on it. We're on an answer right here. And then the next question is, so then why worry about it? If it's beyond what you can do, and it's even beyond your responsibility, why are you worrying about it? That's being deceived, it's being ignorant, and what's worse, it's being arrogant. Acting like you can do it. Acting like you have the ability to do it, that you have the responsibility to do it. One of the uh, most painful things in this life is when you know people could be helped. You know They don't have to go through what they're going through. You you know they could be restored and fixed. And especially people you love, people that you're close to. 
And they won't listen. And they won't change. And many people worry about that. They lose sleep. They, uh, uh, you know, develop ulcers. They uh, develop, you know, migraines and all kind of things. Because like we said yesterday, just like the Corvette's not made to pull a cow trailer, your, uh, your body's not made to worry. It will break down. You'll break it down doing that. But people do. Mothers do. Grandmas do. Daddies do. Brothers and sisters do. Pastors do. Pastors. Many times. I, I, I know ministers and I have a lot of minister friends. And, and man, a lot of pastors, they, they, they fail badly in this area. And they would say it's because they care so much about their people. And it just breaks their heart to see. But that's not acknowledging that, number one, it's beyond your ability. And number two, it's not your decision. It's their decision. You can't make their decision for them. And so to continue to worry and take the care of it is acting like you can when you can't. It's pride. It's a lack of humility. It's a lack of honesty. And it'll chew you up. Do you want to know how I know about some of these things? Same as you. You've got to learn. I had to see early on in ministry that uh, if I let things get on me and stay on me, cares and worries and, and problems, it affected my ministry. It affected when I ministered to people that I'm not, I don't have the life, I don't have the strength, I don't have the joy that I should have because, you know, I was just crying my eyes out 30 minutes before I came to preach. That doesn't work. It doesn't work being a good mother. It doesn't work being a good daddy. Many times people have had a problem with one child. And they let it affect them so much. Stealing their joy, stealing their peace. That it hurts them and diminishes them being a mother or father to their other children. And that's a failure. It's not, and it's not okay. I said it's not okay. There comes a point where we must acknowledge this is beyond me. I, I hope y'all are listening. This is beyond me. I can't fix this with my faith. I can't fix this by prayer. A lot of people don't want to admit that. Why? Because it's not my choice. It's not my responsibility. It's their choice. Now, I can keep praying and asking God to do something, but I've, I've got to turn loose of the care of it, right? And trust Him to deal with them, and me quit dealing with them, and quit acting like I can do something I can't. Acknowledge. Are y'all with me? Acknowledge. I'm not the healer. I'm not the provider. I can't fix this. And it's not my responsibility. 
And in doing so, you can actually get free from the burden of the care. The enemy tried to play me on this particular thing back in the early days. We've been in the ministry now over 40 years. And in the early uh, years of the ministry, I had the privilege of being at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in his healing school and his prayer school. And I taught healing on a daily basis in small classes. And uh, uh, I was young and inexperienced, uh, but cared and, and knew faith worked and knew the anointing made a difference and, and knew, had, had, was completely persuaded of these things. And we had people coming who were pronounced terminal by the medical profession and people that, uh, you know, were given no hope, that kind of thing, and as well as people all stages of it. And we saw some miracles. And we also saw some people die. And over the months and years, I, I began to take the care of the people who didn't receive. Not realizing the enemy was playing me. Because I cared about it and wanted to see everybody get results. Then these thoughts would come and I didn't even recognize it was the enemy at first. But well, if you'd have had more faith. If I'd have had more faith. If you'd have prayed more. If you'd have fasted more. If you'd have done this. If you'd have done that. Can you see? I didn't see it then. But can you see that's a subtle way of thinking I can fix all this. And man, that's thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. And yet I didn't realize that. And so I started fasting. And I'd tell the guys that was helping us, well, we're going to skip this. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and didn't realize I had lost my joy. I'd become so serious. Didn't realize it. And didn't realize it that I wasn't peaceful like I should be. Oh, we got to pray more. Oh, we got to work harder on this. Oh, we got to sacrifice more. We got to do this more. And, and, and I know I just got looking back now, I got to where I wasn't any fun to be around. And see, I'm thinking I'm being spiritual. And I'm actually being carnal. And failing to trust God like I should. Finally, one day I was doing it for the nth time. This had gone on for, I don't know. Months, a year or longer, I don't know. And, and, and finally the Lord, in it, trying to pray about this again, he spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but real distinctly in my spirit. He, if you learn to listen, you can hear him. He said, Keith, I just died. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, you are not the healer. I thought, okay. I, see, I thought I knew that. If you had asked me, right, are you the healer? I'd have said, no, 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 I'm not the healer. And yet, what am I doing? Do you hear what Jesus asked the question? He said, which one of you can make yourself an inch taller by worrying about it being anxious? What's, what's the answer? Nobody. And the very next question is, so why worry about it? Why worry what? About what's beyond you? I said, uh, no, sir, Lord. He said, these people that are coming here, 
They have a whole life and a whole history you know nothing about before they got here. Some of them are able to make changes and trust me, and some of them didn't make changes 20 years ago and they're not making changes now, and most of that you don't know about. That's beyond you. And whether they're healed or not, whether they live or die, is not resting on your little shoulders. Come on, can you see this? That's too big for me. And yet, I'm trying to carry some of this around. He said, that's not your job. That's not your responsibility. Your job is to receive what I give you, preach it, teach it, minister it with all the faith in your heart, and then cast the care of the rest of it over on me and go enjoy your salvation. Oh, are y'all listening? This, this changed my life. Changed, probably saved my marriage too. And my health and my sanity, my prosperity, all these things are connected. There's already too much sadness and grief in the world. People need to see something else. When they're around us, when they come to church, they need to hear joy. They need to see peace. They need to see freedom. They need to see lightness. The Lord said, come learn about me. My yoke is easy. My burden is like People talk about how hard it is to serve God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How heavy a load it is. Hold up. Something's wrong here because the Lord said, light and easy. And I got it. I repented. I said, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I, that's t- you're right. You're right. Of course you're right. And I learned how. And I'm still doing it today. I do care. And I am touched with the feelings of people's infirmities. And I can even cry and weep with those that weep. But I know I'm not the Savior. I know I'm not the healer. I know I'm not the deliverer. I'm not the provider. It's not all resting on me, whether people get saved or whether they don't, or whether they get healed or whether they don't. I do what he gives me to do. Best I know with all my love, with all my faith. And then I go, okay, Lord, it's yours. Right? Huh? Right? And I go enjoy my salvation. I enjoy my health. I enjoy my family and friends. I enjoy, you know, doing simple things without worrying about the ministry and the people. Now, you gotta, you got to train yourself in this. And if you've been trained in worry for all your life, it's easy to slip back into the worry, but keep doing it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, train, retrain yourself and catch yourself and say, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, that's beyond me. That's beyond my ability. It's beyond my responsibility. And Lord, I'm casting that care over on you. Is that okay? Go with me if you would. Let's uh, let's look at something else. You, you got a few minutes? Huh? No? Are we done? 
go with me to Second Peter. Now, uh, I may touch on a couple of things here in the next few minutes that some people like, some people may not like, but uh, uh, examine the scripture on what we're talking about. Don't, don't just let your mind go off on a tangent. Bring yourself back to the, the scripture. The scripture. We're talking about not being anxious, not being overloaded with cares. In Second uh, Peter, the third chapter, we're given a glimpse of the future. This is amazing. A lot of times people say, well, we, we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. Not true. Not true. We're given numerous scriptures that tell us specific things that are going to happen ahead of us. And here's one of them. It says, the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, they are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The, this world was destroyed once long ago by water, by flood. And it's going to be, going to be destroyed again, and this time completely destroyed by fire. And he describes it, verse 10, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now, the Bible talks about three heavens, the third heaven, and what he's talking about here are the first two. The first heaven is atmosphere around the planet. And the second is what we call space, our solar system, which is a part, as we found out, of a larger galaxy. But it says the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise. How many believe the Bible? Amen. Is this going to happen? Yes. This is going to happen. Yes. And the elements shall melt. With fervent heat. Now the elements are the soil, the water, the air, the building blocks of the planet. These are going to be completely consumed in not just a campfire. We're talking plasma fire like is on the sun. And we've got to remember God created all of this. He himself is, is a burning fire, a consuming fire. God, your father, is much more powerful than our son. He created all of the stars. Now, there are people who say, oh, that's just, you know, baloney. You know, that's just religious junk. There is no proof anywhere that the universe self-generated. Those who know the most about these things, if they're honest, you know what they'll say? We just don't know. The dishonest ones will say something else. But no, if you believe in God and you believe the Bible, you know some things. Right? 
And this is the future. The elements are going to melt. That's a lot of heat. With fervent heat. That's, that's what we just got through saying. A lot of heat. Intense heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So this planet and its atmosphere and its surrounding space is not going to survive long term. It has been so contaminated by sin and curse that in God's eyes it is not fixable. He is going to create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness and no curse. We've never been in a place where there was no curse. You talk about amazing. It's going to be amazing. We get glimpses of it in the book of Isaiah and different places. The lion is going to lie down with the lamb. There will be no carnivores. There will be no meat-eating animals. They won't rip each other apart anymore. And children can play with these beasts and around them and over the asp's den. And you can run through the jungle barefoot and not get a thorn or a briar or poison ivy. So that's all the curse. We're used to it, but this place is messed up. Sin and death has absolutely twisted and perverted and distorted everything down here. And so God's solution is not to fix it, but to do away with it and start over. And we have reason to believe he's done that many times. (laughs) Uh, Verse 11, seeing then that these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? He says it again. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Somebody say, I believe the Bible. I believe the Word of God. In Revelation 6, now this is not an isolated passage. If we had time, I could probably take you to 12 scriptures. They say the same thing. But in Revelation 6 and 12, John is seeing by the Spirit the future. And he said, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, Revelation 6, 12, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth like a fig tree cast her untimely figs, which he shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled away, rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. 
this is how the earth will end. And it won't be because we drove too many SUVs (laughs) or flew on airplanes. Now you're laughing, but how many people are worried tonight about climate change? Huh? I mean, really, there are people who are beside themselves and people who are ready to sacrifice half the population of the planet to save the planet. And according to the Bible, the planet's not going to be saved. And the Bible tells us the earth, there will still be an earth existing when this happens. So it didn't get destroyed from climate change. It didn't even get destroyed from a nuclear war or a zombie apocalypse (laughs) or any bizarre thing. Now, Now you're laughing, but do you know how many people are worried about this? And will fight you and get fighting mad? It's because they don't believe the Bible. Many of them don't even believe in God. Why am I talking about this? Because if, if you believe in God and you believe what he has told you, then there's some things I never have to worry about. For one thing, it's above my pay grade. Right? It's beyond And and here I want you to see the arrogance. Because what people are saying is, we can control the climate. We can fix it. We, and what you're saying, the biggest driver of the climate and environment is the sun. Anything else pales by comparison. And if you're serious about it, you want to know more about it, there are people uh, that don't, you know, that, that are true climatologists that don't agree with the current hysteria. Most of them have been silenced and their funding taken away. But the ones who really know, I was, uh, I was reading after one a while back, Judith somebody, uh, Judith Curry. And boy, you talk about it. Talk about data. She's got data, man. Reams and reams of data. And you know what her learned opinion is after books and books and books? We just don't know. <laughs> I'm quoting her. I'm quoting her. We just, we, and another one, uh, Joe Bastardi, he was saying, we don't understand the climate well enough to be making these broad, sweeping, adamant statements. We don't even know how it works. That's the truth. Yes. Amen. I said, that's the truth. Amen. And all of these dire predictions, and don't misunderstand me, there's pollution, and it's hurting some things, and it's, and it's costing some things, but that's not going to destroy us. Amen. So well, how do you know? I just read it. <laughs> I just read it. News bulletin just in. That's actually been here a long time. (laughs) Go to Revelation 21. 
Let's talk some more about our future. Why am I talking about this? If you believe these things, you stop worrying about the other. Hmm? You stop. And you quit believing foolish things like that mankind can correct what the curse is doing to the earth. Much less, we, we see here, something's going to happen to our star, our sun. And those who study these things, they've predicted these kind of things. Our, our sun, if it goes supernova, there ain't no saving this planet or anything around it. What, whatever happens, and so when it says, it, uh, one place in, in Revelation it says it, quit sh- it would stop shining for a third of the day. Well, what's going on there? And then it looked like red as blood and it got dark. Something catastrophic is happening with our sun, with our star. And then this blast of fire and heat that absolutely rips the, the uh, atmosphere right off the planet and everything around it and melts the elements. But do I, do I need to be concerned about that? No. Do I need to worry about that? Lay awake at night. No. Like I could do anything. <laughs> Come on, are y'all seeing this or not? What arrogance, what pride that you, among the eight billion on the planet, are going to carry the responsibility. We got to fix this sun. We got to, come on, y'all, y'all work with me. Let's quit driving SUVs and fix the sun. Now, I know some people don't like it, but you can live your life robbed of peace you should have. And joy you should have in joy. And you can fight everybody and fuss with everybody and try to prove you're this and you're that. And it's still going to happen exactly the way we just read it. It's going to happen just like that. But there's no reason for us to be concerned about it. God's got a plan. I said God's got a plan. Somebody say God's got a plan. He's on it. Revelation 21. Read this with me. Oh, hallelujah. I thought that went pretty well, didn't you? I mean. (laughs) Revelation 21 and 1. Now, we are right near the end of the book. 21 and 22 are the last chapters here. How does this thing end? We don't say nobody knows. We do know some things about how it's going to end. We're told. 21.1. John saw it. The Spirit of God let him see it. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. On this new one, there's not the oceans like there were on there are on this one. 
That doesn't mean there's no water. But uh, for one thing, how much of our planet's covered with water? Like two-thirds or something? That's a lot of unused real estate. <laughs> right? <laughs> Do we really need that much, that much water? Well, apparently we don't, because in the future, we're not going to have it like that. And verse 23, notice this. And the city had no need of the sun, nor of the moon to shine in it. In the new heaven and new earth, we won't even need a star like the sun we have now. Won't even need it. Because the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light. We will actually be living, breathing if we're doing that, in His presence. You can still get a suntan, but it's a S-O-N. S-O-N. And you don't need any sunblock. Woo, somebody say glory to God. And he, said, he repeats it in, in Revelation 22, 22, 5. He said, and there was no night there. No night there. And they didn't need a candle. That includes light bulbs. And you don't need the light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that is how it's going to end. And can I change one thing about the surface of the sun, or the cycles of the sun, or the nuclear reactions in its core? By worrying about it and staying awake. And how many know you'd be a dummy to be worrying about it and staying awake? Or imagining that you can fix the interactions of our star with our atmosphere and the, the warming and cooling of the oceans and all of that. We don't even understand it. People who tell you they do are either lying or confused. And if you study it enough, you'll find some of the best of the best who the hysteria folks learned from their books. I had no trouble putting 40 or 50 top climatologists, a list of them, 40 or 50 of them, who absolutely disagree with the current hysteria. But they've been silenced. They've been fired from colleges. Their funding has been pulled. And what they say, you know what they say? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> after all their education, after all their study, and that sounds right to me. Yeah. Does it sound right to you? Yeah. This is just too big. Yeah, we've learned a few little things, but the big stuff, we just don't know. And especially what we're talking about now, the sun, our star. What's the solution? Cast all your cares. Huh? Don't worry. Cast all your cares over on him. 
all your anxieties, all your fears. Why? I, that's too big for me. It's too big for me. And I trust God. And if he said, oh, oh, thank you, Lord. I was about to miss something. Go to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Thank you, Lord. I was about to leave that out. Psalm 46. You said you had time. Psalm 46. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I about preached myself happy about this. What about you? You, you like it? You feel good? Hallelujah. Two things. Two things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not one, two things. Uh, Psalm 46, are you there? Yes. It starts off by saying, God is my refuge and my strength. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say, therefore will not we fear Though the earth be removed and the mountains are cast into the sea, though the waters roar and are troubled, listen to the Young's literal translation of this, which is very, very accurate. He said, God is to us a refuge and strength, a help in adversities found most surely. Therefore, we fear not in the changing of the earth. Whether it's climate change or any kind of change in the earth, it is written, Psalm 46, 2, we will not fear in the changing of the earth. The slipping of the mountains into the heart of the seas, though the waters roar in trouble, the mountains shake. Verse 10, he said, be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now we, we've quoted that sometimes, but can you see he's talking about, you, you could get tempted. Yes. If the sun looks like it's going out, and the Bible said when that happens, uh, that the atmosphere is just going to roll up like a curtain or like you rolled up a garment. And, and you can see why the next thing it said, every mountain and every island was moved out of place. What is that? The tectonic plates and everything because of the changes in gravity. Everything is just, is just coming apart. And you'd be tempted to, to be very afraid. But, but the psalmist is saying, if the mountains are sliding off into the sea and the earth is changing, I will not be afraid. Because God, the one who made the mountains, he made the planet, he made the star, is my papa, my daddy. Is that right? And he has a plan. He's making me a new earth. He's making me a new heaven. I don't have to be afraid. And I will be still and quiet and know that he is God and not be afraid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody, say it out. Say, say this psalm out loud. Say, God is my refuge and my strength. Therefore, I will not be afraid in the changing of the earth. Though the mountains shake, though the seas roar, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. He is with me. 
I will say, be still, my soul, and know that He is God. I rest in you, my refuge and my strength. And even concerning the, the people that didn't go the right way, and even the people that wound up lost, the Bible tells us after the first resurrection and after the great white throne judgment, God is going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. What does that mean? Well, when we see all the judgments, there'll be some things you wouldn't be happy about. Wasn't the best, but it wasn't God's choice and it wasn't your choice. It was their choice. And you couldn't change it, and God wouldn't. But even at that, there's coming a point where the Father's going to say, okay, that's done. We're going to the next thing. And he will personally wipe away your tears. And after that, you're done. No more sorrow. No more pain. What about all the people of this? You, it's not, you're going to be free from it. What about all the things that happened on the earth? Didn't happen? You're going to be free from it. He, he's going to wipe it away. How many believe if God said he can wipe it away, he can wipe it away. He's going to wipe it away. And there will be no more crying, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. A new heaven, new earth. So no matter how rough and rocky it gets down here, why should I lose sleep? Why should I worry? Why should I be anxious? I, I can't change one inch of my height by worrying about it. Why should I do that? I'm acknowledging I don't have to. I refuse to. I Trust God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.